You're listening to In My Father's House with our pastor and teacher, Mike Fenizio, Senior Pastor of Harvest Christian Fellowship in New York City, New York. In my Father's house, there's a place for me. In my Father's house, where I long to be, oh, my heart will not be troubled. I remember what you said. Therefore, the nations are deranged. Babylon has suddenly fallen and been destroyed. Well for her. Take balm for her pain. Perhaps she may be a heel. We would have healed Babylon, but she is not healed. Forsake her and let us go, everyone, to his own country. For her judgment reaches to heaven and is lifted up to the skies. There's room for interpretation on what or who exactly the label Babylon refers to in the book of Revelation. There are at least a few possibilities we could point to in current culture. The mainstream church, who quickly is looking more and more like the world, or perhaps it's a nation, maybe even the United States. There's room for speculation. But as Pastor Mike will explain in today's message, the true church should not look anything like the world. We're to be in, but not of, this fallen place. Now here's Pastor Mike in the book of Revelation, chapter 17, as he continues his message, The Great Harlot. was guilty of killing millions of Christians during the Inquisition period under the guise of them being heretics. And so for the sake of heresy, they actually killed millions of true uh, Christians who didn't line up with the uh, Catholic Church's uh, beliefs. So amazingly, she claims to be God's church, but persecutes God's true followers. Now, that brings us to our second point, and that is mystery of Babylon. Okay, let's go back to our text now and read verses 7 through uh, 15. But the angel said to me, why did you marvel? I will tell you the mystery of the woman and of the beast that carries her, which has the seven heads and the ten horns. The beast that you saw was and is not, this is the Antichrist, and will ascend out of the bottomless pit and go to perdition. And those who dwell on the earth will marvel whose names are not written in the book of life. And I want you to take note of this. And I believe that this is another reason why that we can uh, be confident that the church is not going to be here during the seven years of tribulation. Why? Because your names have been written in the Lamb's book of life. You see, only those whose names are not written in the book of life will be deceived 
by this system and by the Antichrist. So this is just another reason why I believe, you know, as we've been moving through the book of Revelation, I've given you numerous reasons why I believe that the church is not going to uh, be here during this time. So again, whose names are not written in the book of life from the foundation of the world. When they see the beast that was and is not, and yet is, the Antichrist. Here is the mind which has wisdom. The seven heads are seven mountains on which the woman sits. Again, possibly uh, a reference to Rome. There are also seven kings. Five had fallen. I'll explain this to you in a moment. One is, and the other has not yet come. And when he comes, he must continue for a short time. The beast that was and is not is himself also the eighth, or the eighth king, and is of the seven, the previous kings, and is going to perdition. The ten horns which you saw are ten kings, this confederation of ten nations that will exist, the final world, a government of mankind, uh, who have received no kingdom as yet, but they received authority for one hour as kings with the beast. These are of one mind, and they will give their power and authority to the beast. They will make war with the Lamb, who is Jesus, and the Lamb will overcome them. This is a reference to the Battle of Armageddon. For he is Lord of hosts and King of kings. And those who are with them are called chosen and faithful, That would be you and me, folks, by the way. That's the church. Remember, when Jesus comes back a second time, we're coming back with him. Then he said to me, the waters which you saw where the harlot sits are peoples, multitudes, nations, and tongues. Okay, let me break this down for you now. Let's go back to verse 7. The word mystery, you see that? You notice there in verse uh, 7? Means secret. In other words, these things that have been recorded here for us in this text had been hid, but now are revealed. Her mask has been taken away. And once again, we're reminded of the woman is associated with the beast or the Antichrist and this confederation of ten uh, nations, this final world uh, empire. You know, going back to, remember, uh, in one of our past studies, we uh, cross-referenced this for you. Remember the dream that King Nebuchadnezzar had, the statue, uh, the head of gold, which represented Babylon, and then the the following uh, nations uh, that made up the uh, future world uh, empires, uh, Babylon, uh, the Media Persian Empire, Greece, Rome, and, and so on and so forth. And then the final world empire, represented by the ten toes of that uh, image. You can read about that in Daniel chapter uh, 2. So the ten toes of Nebuchadnezzar's image that he dreamt, Daniel chapter 2, which, by the way, is likened unto a revived Roman uh, empire. So what do we have here? The seven heads are seven mountains. Again, possibly geographical Rome the lofty city of seven peaks. But then there are seven kings, according to verse 10. And notice there the reference, five had fallen. Now, what does this suggest to us? Well, this may be speaking of the kings of the Roman Empire. Okay, so of the kings of the Roman Empire, which of those kings had fallen? 
Well, Julius Caesar, number one. Tiberius, number two. Calugula, number three. Claudius, number four. And then Nero. But notice, the angel went on to declare and said to John, and one is. Now, that could be referring to Demiotin, which was the last of the Caesars who was alive when John recorded this book of the Bible for us. But then notice there in verse 10, and the other is not yet come, and when he comes, he must continue a short space. Notice there in verse 10. So another head of this revived Roman Empire is to arise, and he is the Antichrist, who was alive, notice the way that he is recommended to us here, who was alive, is now dead, but who comes to life again. Notice the references to that in verses 8, and then once again in verse 11. And in one of our previous studies, I had suggested to you that the Antichrist, during this period of time, will become a victim of an assassination plot. He will be killed, but he will come back to life. Remember in Revelation chapter 13, in verse uh, 3, let me read that for you. And I saw one of his heads, this is the Antichrist, as if it had been mortally wounded, and his deadly wound was healed. And all the world marveled and followed the beast. Now we have a prophetical announcement, and I also cross-referenced this for you when we were back there in uh, chapter 12 uh, in our uh, study. But in Zechariah, in chapter 11, in verse 17, concerning the Antichrist, there we are told, Woe to the worthless shepherd who leaves the flock. A sword shall be against his arm and against his right eye. His arm shall completely wither and his right eye shall be totally blinded. So according to these verses of Scripture, the Antichrist will become an object of an assassination attempt. And it will be a successful assassination attempt. But he will be once again resurrected back to life by the power of the devil. And, and if you think about it, this is absolutely a brilliant uh, attempt by the devil mimicking Jesus' death and resurrection. And again, it just lends itself to his rise, you see, in popularity and position. So notice there in verse 10, let's go back to our text back in uh, the book of Revelation in chapter uh, 17. Notice there in verse 10, we are told, the Antichrist must continue a short space, that is three and a half years, or the, the last three and a half years of the seven years of tribulation. And so they will see, that is the population of the world, will see in the Antichrist the ability to even conquer death. And the final world government, which is comprised of these ten nations, will hail him as their leader. Now, that's one interpretation of what is recorded here for us in this section of the book of Revelation. But i got to tell you something. This is one of the more difficult passages in the book of Revelation. And I really don't want to be dogmatic about it. I'm just, you know, I'm offering you a possible explanation of what is going on here. Again, this is one of the most difficult passages in the book of Revelation. And so, as I mentioned, 
some Bible teachers explain these seven kings that are being referred to, the past five, one present, and one to come, in the succession of Roman emperors in John's era. But more likely, this refers to the five world empires before John's day. And what would have been those five world empires that existed right from the very beginning of time? The first of which was Egypt. Secondly, Assyria. Thirdly, Babylonia. Uh, Fourthly, the Media Persian Empire. And then the fifth, Greece. And then he went on to declare in verse 10, one is, which refers to the world empire of John's day, and what would that world empire have been when John recorded this book of the Bible? That would have been Rome. And then this text goes on to declare, and the other has not yet come. So this probably is, refers to the one world empire made up of the confederation of ten nations, a revival of the Roman Empire, the ten toes of Nebuchadnezzar's uh, image that he dreamt in his dream. But then it goes on to declare, when he comes, he must continue a short time, the Antichrist. The seventh will quickly be taken over, this confederation of ten nations, over by the eighth king, and will become the state of the Antichrist. Now, the reason why I buy into that interpretation is because notice in verse 11, we are told there, the beast, the Antichrist, clearly is identified as the eighth king. So does that make sense? Okay, have I lost you now? I I know it's a little complicated, but I just wanted to put both of these explanations before you. And uh, you come to your... You know, it really doesn't matter, because we're not going to be here anyway, right? But, uh, you know, since it's a part of our text, I'll try to explain it the best as I uh, can. But what does it say there? It says, is himself also the eighth. But he is of the seven, in the sense that he shares the characteristics with all of the previous world empires. But his fate is clear. Notice, because perdition and destruction, the beast will be uh, destroyed. So those are some of the alternative explanations. Now, the church and these final empires, the true character and goal is revealed for us here in verse 14. What are they all about? Well, notice what it says in verse 14. These will make war with the lamb, but the lamb will overcome them. So it's all about their opposition to Christ. Isn't that amazing? I mean, think about it. This, this whole church system has, has been, you know, has come together and, uh, you know, under the guise of Christianity, but it's false Christianity. Uh, but really, they're, they're all about being in opposition to Christ and his teachings. But we'll see how this whole thing plays out in chapter 19. With daring and self-confidence, the Antichrist leads his empire against the Son of God. But I'm so glad you know, we have the final and remaining chapters recorded for us here in the book of Revelation. You know, as they make that attempt to wipe out Christ, they themselves are defeated. And then finally, the system is extinguished. Verses 16 through 18. Let's pick up there. And the ten horns 
which you saw on the beast, these will hate the harlot, that is this ecumenical religious system, they will make her desolate, so all of a sudden they're turning upon her now, they will hate the harlot, make her desolate and naked, they will eat her flesh and burn her with fire. For God, notice, has put it into their hearts to fulfill his purpose. In other words, they're just puppets in the hands of God. He's pulling their strings to be of one mind and to give their kingdom to the beast until the words of God are fulfilled and the woman whom you saw is that great city which reigns over the kings of the earth. Okay, so this confederation of ten nations turns against the harlot with hatred, realizing they're puppets in her hand, they rise up and completely wipe out this false religious system. She has been pampered and exalted for centuries by the nations of the world, but this must now come to an end. First, they were all for her, but now they are united in a bold stand against her. They want both her power and her wealth, and the beast, weary of her domination, turns against her with hatred. But they're all just, according to what we've just read, there in verse 17, they're all just fulfilling the will of God. Because notice again what it says, for God has put it into their hearts to fulfill his purposes. Folks, let me tell you something. No matter what's going on worldwide, God is still upon the throne. He's still pulling the strings of kingdoms, uh, those who sit upon the thrones, these, the governments of man. There's nothing going on in the world today except what God is allowing uh, to go on. And when things get out of hand, you can be sure that God will step in once again. And so once more, God makes the wrath of man to praise him. As we are told in the 76th Psalm, in verse uh, 10, Surely the wrath of man shall praise you. With the remainder of wrath, you shall uh, gird yourself. So ultimately, you know, all of the crazy things that are going on in our world today will lend itself to uh, the praise and the worship of uh, a God. And so at last, this, the religious forces of the world, they meet their doom, and the secular powers confiscate their wealth. Okay, I want to close out this message with one final uh, verse of Scripture. It's recorded for us in the book of Jeremiah. Jeremiah chapter uh, 51, verses 6 through uh, 9. And here we are exhorted, flee from the midst of Babylon. And, and again, Babylon representing idolatry, uh, false uh, religion. And, and you know, th this whole idea, and I failed to mention this before, you know, false religion has, a, has, a, has an intoxicating effect upon men and women. You know, you know think about it. Some of the things that uh, go on uh, under the name of Christianity uh, today, and I'm not suggesting, I'm not thinking about one particular church. I'm not thinking about Catholicism. And, and I'm, you know, again, in using those examples and illustrations, I'm just putting it out there for your careful consideration. 
And uh, I'm not, you know, leaning towards one particular denomination or one particular church. Uh, you come to your, to your own conclusions. But have you ever been in a, in a church where you are a part of the uh, service? You leave there intoxicated. Uh, you think that you've had a real spiritual, meaningful experience, you know, because of maybe the worship or the, the incense being burnt or the chanting or, or, you know, some of the other things that are part of the, the services. But, you know, nothing of a, of a true spiritual uh, experience has happened. You haven't been changed from the inside out. You have been, haven't been instructed by, by, the, by the word. You just simply have had a powerful emotional experience. And, and so I, I think that that's the, the effect that this religious system that will exist in the last days has upon those people who are a, a part of it. And so the reference to that here in verse 6. So you know better than that. You're not going to buy into that uh, false uh, religion. Flee from the midst of Babylon, the counterfeit substitute for the real thing, and everyone save his life. Do not be cut off in her iniquity, for this is the time of the Lord's vengeance. He shall recompense her, as, we, as we've seen here. Babylon was a golden cup in the Lord's hand that made all the earth drunk. In other words, again, it has that intoxicating effect. You walk out of their service and you, you drunk with the wine of her, of her wrath. They made all the earth drunk. The nations drink her wine. Therefore, the nations are deranged. Babylon has suddenly fallen and been destroyed. Well for her. Take balm for her pain. Perhaps she may be healed. We would have healed Babylon, but she is not healed. Forsake her and let us go, everyone, to his own country for her judgment reaches to heaven and is lifted up to the skies. So in closing this morning, let me ask you a couple of questions. Have you been drinking of her wine? And I know that none of you have. I don't know exactly who's uh, tuned in this morning. But don't buy into this false teaching. There's nothing that can take the place of true Christianity and the study and the teaching of the Word of God. Have you become deranged in your understanding? Have you been bought, uh, have you bought into the teachings of man and not the teachings of God? And listen, let me tell you something. There's a lot of that uh, going on in the churches today. The things that they're suggesting cannot be backed up by the word of, of God. Don't allow yourself to be intoxicated by the wine that they offer particularly in these last days. Oh, how that we need more than ever before stand close to our Lord. In my Father's house There's a place for me In my Father's house Where I long to be the book of Revelation is filled with symbols and numbers and pictures that seem beyond comprehension, yet each one has a purpose and meaning. This book takes you into the end of the world, a time when Jesus will return to redeem the earth and rid it once and for all of evil. 
It's a time that may be sooner than you think, and that's why we're so glad you joined us today to study this important final book of the Bible on In My Father's House. If you'd like to hear more teachings from this series in Revelation, or if you want to explore Pastor Mike's studies in the other books of the Bible, just visit harvestnyc.org. You can also subscribe to our podcast on your favorite podcast app. That way you'll be notified each time we post a new edition of the show. We want to meet you too. If you're going to be in Midtown Manhattan, come join us this Sunday for worship at Harvest Christian Fellowship. You'll be able to reserve your seat and get directions at harvestnyc.org or join us virtually. We're streaming each Sunday and Thursday so everyone has the chance to attend and worship as a community of believers. That website again is harvestnyc.org. As we wrap up our time with you today, we'd like to let you know that we're praying for you. You are a valued listener. And we're grateful to have you tuned in to learn about the love of God from the pages of Scripture. With that, our time with you is coming to an end. Join us next time for another edition of In My Father's House. There's a place for